Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody, and a special welcome for those of you guys who are tuning in for the first time. This is sort of a part two type episode. Last week, we actually talked about handling our kids' emotional state, helping regulate our kids' emotions, and essentially talking about raising emotionally intelligent little human beings. And today, we're going to talk about what that's like as an adult. And I want to dive into that um, by really starting by telling you a personal story I um, came across this information at the beginning of 2021, and it was really a a desperate plea, a heart plea, for lack of a better word, to the Holy Spirit. My marriage, I'm married to a really wonderful man, and um, I've talked about my marriage quite a bit in the podcast because I think it's important for people who have good marriages to talk about the struggles because I don't believe that any marriage is without struggle. And if it is without struggle, there's probably something hidden going on in there or something that is... um, like we've just learned to suppress all things that don't feel good. Um, that's not healthy. And so I, I really believe that healthy marriages struggle sometimes. And in my personal relationship with my husband, we have, like all marriages do, one or two hot topics that no matter how long it takes, we cannot get to the same page. And uh, one of those we had finally resolved in the last two years. Now, for context, we've been married 17 years now. Okay, so it took us... 15 years, people, to get on the same page about this one topic. And I'm not saying we fought about it um, every single time it crossed our minds. I'm saying we fought about it every single time we talked about it. And uh, geez, it, would, it we did counseling. I mean, it was intense. And there's it's people are involved in it. And it was just a whole thing. So I was feeling so liberated when we finally got this particular topic resolved where we got on the same page, where we got understanding, where we had, you know, like we, we got into a really good rhythm. So that meant there was only one left and I'm sitting there going, you know what, Lord, I really want this other thing to get resolved as well. And, um, this one has a lot of hurt in it. It's not a sin or anything like that. It's just misunderstanding kind of stuff. And, and, uh, it had a lot of hurt in my heart that had been stored up and yes, I have forgiven. Yes, I have, you know, done all the things you're supposed to do, but it was still a pain point for me. And I remember towards the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, I just was praying and I said, God, every single thing I've asked you to help me do, you have done. You've been so faithful. You have been so amazing at redeeming my life and reforming my life and really teaching me how to live by your spirit. So why can't I get help in this one thing? Now, for context, I have done deliverance. I have done inner healing. I have memorized scripture. I have done declarations. I literally have, you name it. I've, I mean, literally, I can't even think of how, how many things I've done to try to get breakthrough in this. And everything I did was helpful, but nothing really got to the core of it. So it was like I learned coping mechanisms for this pain in my heart, but I couldn't get the pain out. I hope that makes sense to you. So I said to God, I wish I could find a way to get this pain truly healed. Lord, if there's an answer out there, would you please bring it to me? Simple prayer. 
I prayed it in faith, but wasn't 100% convinced God would do anything about it, just to be honest. And uh, about a week later, sometime in the next coming week, um, I was on Instagram and somebody shared a story about a podcast from a counselor. And it was like a, an, an, a screenshot of the podcast with the mind blown emoji on top of it. That was it. And I read the name of the podcast and I thought, that sounds interesting. I love therapy. I love Christian counseling. Um, I love psychology. I think it's no match for the power of God, but it is absolutely needed. And um, so I was like, I'm going to listen to that. Okay, guys, let's just say what happened next was the weirdest encounter with God I may have ever had because it was like a sneak attack, like Jehovah Sneaky set me up and it was crazy. I'm, I'm on my day off. I was driving down to Norman about 15 minutes from where I live to go do some shopping at the mall with the Holy Spirit. And I'm listening to this podcast and I start weeping. I'm not talking about like, oh, that moved me. I'm talking about like guttural snarly sobs coming out of my body. To the point where I'm thinking I should pull over. I was on a backcountry road, so I didn't, but I'm thinking I should pull over because I don't know what is happening to me. For the first time in my life, in this podcast, as I'm listening to them talk about these different types of, of attachments that we experience with our primary caregivers, I felt known, seen, and understood, not just by God, but by myself. I don't know. It was like the weirdest experience. And so I pulled over into a parking lot to finish listening to this episode. And I'm like just a blubbering mess. I'm glad I didn't wear makeup that day because it would have I would have been just strewn with makeup. And uh, it was it was crazy. And I finished listening to that. And I'm like, this is so revolutionary, Lord. Don't worry, I'm going to get into what it is in a second. And I said, I wish that they had something about marriage in this. Like, how does this relate to marriage? Because this is my issue. This is exactly my issue. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper back to me, oh, girl, read the podcast list. So I'm reading the titles and two episodes later is an episode about marriage. And on this one, I don't know how else to explain it except to say that I was delivered this was not a test. This was like a testimony. This wasn't like a deliverance prayer or anything like that. But I was sobbing. There was something shaking inside of my soul. And God met me in a way I don't think I thought was possible. Remember, 17 years of this particular struggle, this pain point in my life. And God met me and, and brought understanding and brought a deliverance of sorts from it. And so I was determined, I'm going to walk this out. I've got to figure out how to do this. So uh, I'm going to link that podcast, those two podcasts in the, the description, the show notes of this episode, in case you're like listening to this and going, I want to hear that for myself. It's okay if you don't have a similar experience that I did. Uh, my husband's listened to it. Several friends have listened to it and they're like, it's good, but they had a different you know, experience than me and that's fine. But what I learned was this process of attunement that we talked about in last week's episode and the attachment theory that that comes along with it. And it's a theory because it hasn't been around. It's only been around for like 40 years, but it comes from neuroscience. If you know me, you know I love the brain. I love studying brain science and neuroscience. It's just fascinating for me. And um, it, it's it's actually like, in my opinion, it is absolutely legit. Um, but the idea here is that we basically form four different types of attachments to our primary caregiver in the first two years of our life. And those attachments sort of dictate how we attach to people in our adulthood. 
And specifically, um, they, they dictate, you know, how, how we attach to our relationships. Now it doesn't mean that you're like, you have to succumb to that for the rest of your life. But what it means is if you can see where you are, you can actually learn to have coping mechanisms, to have adjustments, to, to basically bypass the natural connection that's there. Let me get into this, uh, super briefly, cause I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about it, but basically these four types are uh, secure attachment people. These are people who, in general, really believe like they, they walk around secure. They they have a lot of um, confidence in their relationships. They know that trouble in a relationship means resolve is coming. They're sort of like unicorns. I don't know very many people who are actually like this in real life. The next one is ambivalently attached people and ambivalently attached people uh, or insecure attachment are people who actually got their emotional needs met some of the time, but then other times they they were not able to get those needs met for whatever reason, um, usually because the primary caregiver wasn't was like either not physically available to meet those needs or was like, you know, had stuff going on in their life that they weren't able to to be there emotionally. Uh, and the third type is avoidantly attached and avoidantly attached people are people whose primary caregiver was not able to meet their emotional need. So it's not, I'm talking, I'm not talking about care. I'm not talking about changing your diaper, um, you know, feeding you those types of things. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about was the primary caregiver able to see that you were not doing well, that you were in some sort of emotional distress and did they do anything about that? This is what we talked about last week, right? So avoidantly attached kids are formed that way because their primary caregiver either doesn't see or doesn't do anything about what they see um, to help that child. And so what the child learns is to just stuff all emotions, to have a very deep inner private world that they don't put on display to other people. Ambivalently attached people, uh, they, they have tasted of the feeling of being in a secure attachment, but it's not there for them consistently. And so a lot of times they feel abandoned. They feel like the relationships that they have are going to let them down. When they do receive love in that place, they often feel like it's going to go away before they're even able to relish in it. And so they don't allow themselves to receive it. Ambivalently attached people, when they start to feel like rejection, when they feel rejection coming, they lash out to, to blame the other person because they don't know what to do. They feel the disconnect, but they don't know how to make the connection happen. Um, and then the fourth category is a disordered attachment, which is someone who is having abuse in their life. It's actually a, a very chaotic attachment. It's the way their brain actually develops under that. It's very sad um, because both sides of their brain are firing at the same time, their desire for comfort, but also the reality that the person that they want comfort from is actually a harmful person. So that's like a very short version of the four attachment styles. And I'll just tell you right now that I, I believe I'm probably an ambivalently attached person. And um, <clears throat> I don't know what you're going to think about that. It's fine. I don't really need to know. But uh, that's my attachment style. And so when I began to realize that when I'm feeling a disconnect, I would take it to this extreme. And for me, it would begin to feel like everything is bad. Because I didn't really have the skill to be able to say this moment is bad, but the rest of it is not bad. If you heard me share last week's episode, um, you heard me tell you tell you that my four-year-old daughter has this skill. Apparently I don't, but she did. And she said, I'm feeling happy, but I'm sad that my balloon popped, right? That she was able to recognize I'm doing okay, but this area is sad to me. 
And I didn't really have that, particularly when it came to my marriage. In the rest of life, I did. But when it came to my marriage, it was like if I wasn't feeling loved or cared for, then it began to feel like my whole marriage was bad. Instead of being able to say in this moment or this week, I feel disconnected. Let's come back to a connected point. Now, we have a lot of practice in our life in coming back to being a being connected. And so I'm not saying that it wasn't overcomable. I'm saying that I didn't like the way that pain felt inside of me. And I didn't like what I would do out of that pain at times. For me, what that would look like was lashing out way more than I felt comfortable doing. In our context, I'm just being honest with you, maybe four times a year. It's not like I'm lashing out about it all the time. And I say that because all the other stuff I had been doing was helping and was working, but I don't even want to feel like I have to lash out four times a year. I want to really walk in the spirit. And I knew that this particular issue was drawing me back into the flesh and I couldn't figure out what to do about it. And so this is where this became so phenomenal for me. Let me just tell you what happened in me. And then we're going to get into some specifics of how to help you regulate your emotions as an adult. The number one thing I walked away from after studying this stuff, I read a phenomenal book called How We Love. It's a long book, but it basically uh, these two marriage therapists took these four attachment styles and broke them into six relationship styles. They have quizzes and stuff like that where you can identify who you are. And, um, and then really look at who your spouse is and be able to find healthy rhythms in the midst of, of, um, the, the way you're paired together. It's an incredible resource by Milan and Kay Yurkovich. Um, how we love is what it's called. Yes. You probably noticed how we love for kids. I mentioned last week, same authors, um, really incredible stuff. Anyways, what I came to see in myself was that I did not like feeling sad. I don't like feeling sad still. Sadness to me has always felt like a black hole. I don't know why, but I, I remember my entire life feeling like if I allow myself to be sad, I might never not be sad. I would listen to musicals like Les Mis and uh, Eponine's beautiful song I, um, of, uh, you know, all on my own, right? And I would sing this to myself because I felt so lonely as a kid on my own, pretending he's beside me. I mean, I would sing these songs like no one's ever going to love me and I would feel so sad. And when the music was over, I would have the thought, I have to turn on something happy because if I sit in this sadness, I may never come out. As an adult... I began to realize that sadness was dangerous for me. It felt dangerous. It felt um, like a doorway to something bad. Like if I start feeling sad, I might want to binge watch and eat ice cream. If I start feeling sad, I might want to go shopping. I, I, I want to do something to fix the sadness. And so what I've discovered is as a parent, all these years later, my coping mechanism was to not feel sad by distracting myself a lot. And it's not that I don't feel sad, but when I would feel sad, a lot of times I would allow myself to turn it into anger. I would allow that sadness to become anger because anger is something I can control, right? Anger feels justified in that moment, like you are doing this to me. And when I began to take this good hard look at myself after sobbing through these two episodes of this other podcast, what I began to notice in my own heart was if I don't allow myself to feel sad, then I'm only ever going to be angry because anger is what sadness produces when sadness is unchecked. So this is why I have anger in my life, right? 
because I'm not allowing myself to just sit in the sadness. It, this is, this took me months. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. This took me several months of practicing. I remember, uh, the definitive point in my life, um, on this was I was talking to my husband I was frustrated with him and I, I wanted him to read this book. I wanted him to like go on this journey with me and he was not having that. And it was making me angry because I was sad. I was sad that I felt alone in that. And I started yelling at him in the car and about two or three minutes into me yelling at him, I realized I'm doing it again. Are you serious, Rachel? Like here I am. I'm just sad that I feel lonely and I'm taking it out on him in anger. And so I stopped and I started like asking questions to try to connect instead of just blame him. And I'll never forget, he just kind of shut down. And after about a minute or two, I was quiet and I said, it feels like you shut down. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know what's happening right now. It's like at first you're so angry and now you're in like therapist mode and I don't know how to relate to you. And I started laughing. I'm like, you're right. I don't know how to relate to myself either right now. And uh, what I began to do is what I'm going to suggest to you. And I began to make space for what I feel. In the same way that last week we were talking about how to attune our kids, I realized I have to learn how to attune myself. I have to learn when I'm not feeling regulated, I need someone in my life to help regulate me. Most of the time that person is the Holy Spirit, but often it's my husband as well. And the goal in my mind has been to learn how to regulate myself. This is what I've been doing for the last nine months, really eight months probably. And um, so let me tell you a couple of things. Number one, self-regulating is not stuffing. It's not stuffing your emotions down, pretending like they're not there. It's not avoiding your emotions, recognizing them, but not giving them a voice. Self-regulating is also not attacking everybody else because they made you this way. It's not blaming someone for what they did that caused you to feel how you feel. Self-regulating is actually pausing. Essentially, it's like taking an inventory of what's going on inside your heart, giving a voice to those things, and then working it out. You'll notice it's the same steps for raising kids. You got to recognize what's going on first. A lot of us are so um, versed, like we're so used to just bypassing over what we feel that we go straight into aggression. We go straight into anger or we go straight into shutting down and we don't actually give a voice to what we're feeling. The thing is, as long as we do that, we don't have an opportunity to actually grow. Because again, you can't just avoid the emotion. You can't pretend it's not there. You can't stuff it down. And you also can't blame somebody else for how you feel. So how do we actually do this? Well, step one is accepting the moment for what it is. I know this probably sounds really cliche, but it's actually kind of true. In that moment where I'm sitting in the car and I'm like yelling at my husband and then all of a sudden I'm like being a counselor to him, it's because I stopped and I recognized what it is. I'm actually not angry with you for making me this way. I'm just sad that this is what it is. I'm sad that in this moment I feel lonely. If I can acknowledge that, he can actually meet me there because he doesn't have to be defensive. You know, he doesn't have to like try to puff himself up on the inside or deal with his own insecurities. He can just say, yeah, okay, I see that, right? He can validate that even if he doesn't agree with it. So step one, accept the moment for what it is. The second thing you're going to do is work to change the stuff that we have the power to change. Work to change yourself, right? Work to change why it is that you don't feel content being alone. Why it is that like most of it's going to be about our own insecurity, 
So we're going to work to change that. We're going to encounter the Holy Spirit in that place, invite God to come and bring redemption into those parts of our story. And then the third part is we're actually going to seek out the attunement that we need. We're going to seek it out. We're not just going to sit there like a baby crying and hoping somebody comes to us and gives us what we need because we're adults. It doesn't work like that. We're going to recognize it and we're going to vocalize it. So seek out the attunement that you need. You may need to call somebody. You may need to call a pastor or a friend and say, look, can I just talk about this? I I just feel like I need you to kind of like get in the hole with me and just validate me for a second. Just start with that. Right. And the other person goes, "Okay, I know I know what you need right now. So here's a tool for you as we wrap this up, a tool that I I found really fascinatingly helpful. When I heard it the first time, I thought, this is so dumb. There's no way this works. But I'm telling you, weirdly, it does work. And uh, they recommend this in the podcast that I listen to. And it's it's like a three-minute mirroring conversation. And basically, in those three minutes, and this particular couple literally sets a timer. We haven't set a timer yet. But basically, you, you say what you're feeling, and the other person actually just repeats it back to you. And you do that for about three minutes and watch how you feel seen, validated, attuned. So let's just go back to this car situation since I'm in it too deep now. I'll just tell you how it ended. For me to say, look, I feel lonely that you don't understand how big of a deal this is to me. And Grant can repeat back and say, okay, I see see that you're feeling lonely right now. And I can say, I just feel like I'm excited about this and I wanted this to be something we did together. And he can go, okay, I can see that this is, this is something that mattered to you, that you wanted to do this together. I see that. I, can, I hear that now. Right now, what is, it, what is he not doing? Well, he's not changing his opinion on everything. He still doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal. He's not saying you're stupid for feeling this way. He's not saying, you know, I'm lying right now by validating you. What he's saying is I hear what's going on inside of you and I see that the end period he's like there's no further conversation about that and after three minutes usually uh you feel better if not you can keep going but the thing is that you're attacking it from a heart level instead of actually attacking the other person what we're looking for pretty much always when we're not feeling regulated is connection right we're looking for connection we're we're looking not just for an exchange of information, like let me tell you about my day just to like rehearse all the things that I did today. Sometimes when we're really busy, my husband will go, I'll say, what'd you do today? And he'll just hand me his calendar. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't really want to see the nine, 10 meetings that you had, the all the stuff that went on in the real estate world. I want to, I want to hear like, was there something interesting in your day that you think I might be interested in? Why? Because we're usually looking for connection, not just information exchange, right? That's why this three-minute mirroring conversation is such a helpful tool. So for me, the best thing that happened to me through all of this was learning to spot the sadness and actually give it a voice, learning to allow myself to sit in feeling sad, knowing that I'm not going to stay there forever. It usually only lasts about 10 minutes, if I'm being honest with you. But the fear of being sad would cause me to do all kinds of crazy things that I don't really approve of. So how about you? Where is this landing in your life? Where are you finding yourself in this process? I'm assuming for the most of you, you're either like me and you lash out when you feel things that you don't want to feel, or you're like my husband and you just kind of stuff them down and pretend they're not there until you forget about them. Both of those are not really healthy responses. 
And I really want to challenge you. If you have kids in the home and you want to raise healthy kids, the best way you can do that is by yourself getting healthy. But that's like a secondary reason. I want you to be emotionally intelligent and healthy on your own because that's what God wants for you. He really does. He made you with emotions and feelings. And sometimes our emotions and our feelings are, are the best doorway into conversation with him. To allow him to be that attuning voice in your life is such a beautiful thing. So I hope this is helpful for you. I could literally talk about this all day long. I know I've gone over on this episode too. But I think it's important for us to stop and give a voice to our feelings. And if you're like me, maybe this testimony will inspire you to give a voice to sadness so that the anger gets less. (laughs) I can tell you what's crazy is after months of doing this, I actually feel angry so much less than I did before. It's kind of weird. I didn't expect that. I expected to deal with the sadness and then have to like take my anger captive. But the anger has kind of resolved itself as I've given myself permission to just be in that moment for a moment, connect with the Holy Spirit in that pit, and then move myself through it. I want that for you as well. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.